This is the Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast as a service to the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves former collegiate athletes facing medical needs and financial challenges. Your tax-deductible contribution will change the life of a former college sports hero. Please give online at negreats.org. And now, here's your host, Brett Wenn. You're listening to the Nebraska Greats, uh, a podcast produced by the Nebraska Greats Foundation, which serves collegiate athletes facing a medical need and a financial challenge. Learn more or give generously online at www.negreats.org. And so we're just going to do a little housekeeping here. Welcome back to the NGF podcast. Um, I'm your host, Brett Wetton, and uh, I've had the pleasure of serving on the board of directors for the Nebraska Greats Foundation, and we put this podcast together, basically um, uh, having interviews with uh, Nebraska athletes that have have roots here and understand what it is to be a Nebraskan. Uh, here in Nebraska, we take care of our neighbors um, when they're in need. And so this this organization, this nonprofit organization does exactly that. We take care of any former letter winner from any of the 16 colleges and universities that have a financial need uh, slash medical need. We take care of that. And so Without further ado, I want to give a huge shout out to Two Brothers Creative with Matt Tompkins. Matt is our producer. We really appreciate him doing that today. And without further ado, I would like to introduce you to current U.S. Olympian Maggie Malone. How are you, Maggie? I'm so good. It's great to be here and and be a part of a a Nebraska Home Roots podcast. Well, thanks for bearing through our little housekeeping there in the beginning and you know what, Maggie, you and I, I've actually known you your entire life. I was just thinking that when I was, yeah, when I was getting on, I was like, man, Brett probably knows me before I was even born. <laughs> and so just a little background. So Maggie, I, yeah, I knew your mom and dad before, actually before they were married. And I had the pleasure of your dad uh, coaching me in football. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful to your parents because I had your dad slapping me around in football and said, hey, Brett, you've got a future in this. Do you want it? And then I had your mom who took me to people like Carol Frost yeah. and, ta- and showed me how to throw the discus and, and the way through and the shot put and all that stuff. So but you know what? We're not it's not about that. It's about you. And I, I want to kind of bring this back into getting in our conversation, Maggie. I'd like to do three things. One, I kind of want to go through you know, your time in Geneva where we were together, um, growing up together in a great small town and kind of the pedigree, right? With your dad playing football at Nebraska and your yeah. mom's, you know, great track background and qualifying for the Olympics in 1970. And then we'll <laughs> kind of get into your college career and kind of as you're getting into the Olympic, in Olympic conversation and actually making the team. And then the last part of it is just your current training as you prepare for Tokyo 2021 um, competition and just some things from that. So, Let's jump right into this. So let's talk about Geneva, Nebraska. What <laughs> say you, Maggie? What say you? Yeah, ah, uh, man, I love Geneva, and I, I don't know if I would have always said that growing up in a small town. You know, you kind of have that like teenage angst. You're like, oh, I can't wait to get out of here. And now I look back after being, you know, in Texas for seven years or so, and now in Alabama, I'm in Alabama now. Um, I look back and I'm like, man, I miss Geneva. I miss just the community specifically and um, just how slow of life it was. And and I loved what you said earlier where it's like Nebraskans take care of each other. I mean, you probably know better than anyone. My Because my parents were so busy in coaching, we had like a million 
babysitters and parents that were taking care of us and, you know, just pushing us around. My mom always tells the story. She's like, one day I, I had taken you to like five different babysitters because we had like a track meet, a volleyball meeting, like this and that. And all of a sudden I see you coming across the gym with somebody and I'm like, who is that person that has my three kids right now? And so, <laughs> but that's Geneva. And, you know, I think we all do take care of each other. And, um, you know, when I made the team in 2016, I think I said, you know, I, I like blacked out when I was talking to the announcer, but I just said, I come from a town with one stoplight. Like this is unbelievable um, to be on a stage like this. So I do miss Geneva with with a lot of my heart and just the people all across the board. The people are just so amazing. You know, Maggie, so, you know, what I've always wondered about, I know your dad and mom's background, you know, what's it like kind of being kind of, kind of in the vacuum of their pedigree, their experiences in football and track and field? And learning from that and then that transition that takes place to where now you are your you're your own entity, you are now performing and preparing and all the things we have to do as, as, as professional athletes. How, how has that journey happened for you? And do you have any kind of commentary about that for us? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would say, you know, that's why I asked it, Maggie. What? <laughs> that's why I asked it. <laughs> that was good. Um, no, I, uh, I, I would say growing up, I very much was uh comparing to my mom's just domination through sports in nebraska uh and it was tough to navigate that especially going into high school and you have coaches that knew my mom and knew stories of my mom and knew just her absolute success that she has had you know time and time again and then going to football coaches and then talking about my dad and the success that he had had and so i think growing up i was like I, you know, I just want to be as good as my mom. Like, I just want to be an athlete that they're proud of. Um, and I think it was all self-inflicted, you know, you know, my parents and they're, they, they'll push you, but it's always with so much love and grace. And I think they, I always tell them like, you guys did it right because I never felt like I had to be the best of the best at everything. I think you guys, uh, prioritize the process versus the result, which I think is, is really important. Even in today in my, you know, as I'm a professional athlete now, it's the process, not the result that matters. And, um, and I think, you know, like I said, going through, through high school, I was always like, I need to be as good as my mom. Like I want to beat my mom. And, I had success, but I, it was fun because I got to do it with my mom because she was my track coach and and get, got to celebrate with her and, and also with my dad. But I, I think, you know, I look at parents today and so many parents will talk to me and ask me, you know, how did you get here? Like, how did you have success? And everybody always is like, my kid's going to be a one sport athlete. Like they're going to be so focused on baseball or on basketball. And I love that my parents had me in everything. And they said, you're going to do volleyball, track, softball, speech, you know, dramas, you know, choir, literally everything, which is a benefit of being in a small town as well. Um, but I think what parents now compared to what my parents had, uh, they're so singularly focused on my kid has to be the best at baseball. And so they're going to do this from age nine to 19. And I think they're missing going back to the process, they're missing so much growth that happens in, in the sharpening that happens from other sports. And uh, I'm so thankful that my parents, and I think it's because they had success, Brett, like, I think it's because 
both my mom had, she understood what it took to be great. And so did my dad and they knew when to push and when to back off. And so I'm really thankful for that. Um, now I'm not saying it was always perfect and I'm not saying that <laughs> head to head, <laughs> um, but I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's, uh, you know, my dad's pretty stubborn. Um, but no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's only made me run a tire every once, you know, every once in a while. <laughs> well, I mean, Maggie, you bring up two really good things. So one, let's go back to just give a little highlight a little bit with your mom. Yeah. She qualified for Olympics in 1970, correct? Yes, I think that was the time. 1970, 1980, right in there. I can't remember exactly. I think it's 19s. I have the I have the uh, Wikipedia page, you know, because you're a US Olympian, you have your own Wikipedia page. So um uh, and um I just think that's really interesting that she'd qualified, but I think there was something going on there turmoil turmoil at that time that it didn't actually happen, correct? Yeah, so it was the year that we boycotted. So she oh, that's right. actually got to compete because the United States was boycotting, I believe it was in Russia, I wanna say. I wanna or, say Russia too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I knew communist country, but yeah, so she never actually got to compete. However, she did get to carry the torch, I believe, for a like a, a junior Olympics or youth world or something in that. So she um, was able to travel and track and field a lot growing up. But that was the one thing that, you know, she just didn't get to compete in, which is crazy because of how good she is. I think she's the only person who I don't know if you know the name Jackie Joyner Kersey, but I do. Um, yeah, she's I think my mom was like one of the only people that's ever beaten her. Um, and she's so humble about it. And I met Jackie and I told her one time I was like, hey, my mom is Nancy Kindig. And she was like, you are kidding me. Like your mom is Nancy <laughs> Kindig. Like, oh, I love her, which is so cool. Like just an awesome track family there. And, and just to get to see the scale of athlete she was. That's right. And then, and then, and we love Nancy and I have many fond stories of her. I'm very grateful for all the things she did for me in high school. And, you know, moving on to dad, he was part of the national championship, uh, 70 national championship with the Cornhuskers, right? 70, 71. Yeah. Right in there. You know, dates yeah. better than I do. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I don't want to mess it up, but our founder of Nebraska Grace Foundation, Maggie is Jerry Murtaugh. And he was on that team. He was a linebacker. Oh, that's so so cool. It's kind of cool how all these things, uh, and I think hope that's what comes out in our interview. Uh, today is that how everything kind of interweaves together between uh, between you and me and your parents and Nebraska and I just it's a beautiful story. The other thing I just want to touch base on quickly that you just said is I remember your dad focusing us on the process, right? And in football, it's the kicking game, it's offense and defense, and these are things you need to do. And so for you, what were some of those um, process things that your mom and dad kind of uh, kind of reiterated to you that you needed to do? Do you have any examples for yeah. us? Um, and like I said, I did every sport, which again is a benefit of yeah. being uh, a small town. And I would say the process pieces were, you know, dad coming home and saying, hey, let's go outside and let's work on some dribbling for a little bit. Like, let's play a game and let's work on the, the skill piece versus, you know, going out there and just competing all the time. It was, no, let's work on this. Let's work on character education was huge with my mom. Uh, and dad too, but very specifically, my mom brought anything that had to do with grit and, and, you know, perseverance and anything that comes with sports. She was bringing that into the conversations when we were, you know, playing catch outside or, you know, we were really dumb, but we would throw balls up on the roof, have yeah. them come down and we'd throw it over the roof back to each other and all that kind of stuff. But um, she would, she would bring in any sort of like character piece to it too, where you could make the connection where it was like, 
hey, if you say that you want to be an Olympian someday, that's great. But guess what? That means that you need to continue to persevere when you don't get the spot on the basketball team or when you don't get to be the starting catcher on the team or whatever it is. And so I think they were always focused on you know, how can you can, how can I help you improve and, and foster the will, which I was a very, just, and I still am a go-getter and how do I foster that without, without just saying, here's the end result. And if you don't see the end result, then you failed. It was never that. And I'm so thankful for that. And, and I'm, I've definitely, you know, dealt with that now too, where I have high expectations and sometimes you do feel like a failure, but at the end of the day, I can lean back on that and say, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't succeed in the way that I wanted to, but I learned so much from that experience. And you're able to break it down yourself, right? And in its parts. Yeah. And exactly what you're saying, like, just like the kicking game, running game, that's exactly what dad would do too, where it's like, okay, we're going to focus on the fundamental pieces here, which is going to result in you getting, you know, whatever goal you have. That's right. No, I think it's, it's excellent. And, and for us in a small town, we have the advantage of playing in all these different sports and being involved in choir and the L Street Singers, which we won't go into on this uh, of this oh, podcast. Are, are we both uh, in the club of the L Street Singers? We are, and I I didn't want to bring up uh, the fuchsia cummerbands and the and the and the <laughs> <laughs> and the costumes we had to wear, and the jazz fingers that Mrs. Aitnam talked to us oh, about. I but it, Mrs. Uh, she's my favorite. She's my favorite. You know, the thing I remember of your mom too is that she was really big into grammar. Like use multi-syllable words, you know, and to this day, I, you know, I, that's really stuck with me. So, and I'm sure she'll be listening to this later as well as your dad, Danny, and, and we love them both. And we're very grateful for, for everything they've done for us. Um, well, I would say too, they love you, Brett, like anytime oh. we were just at dinner and I told them that I was going to be on this podcast. And I just have to say like you, for whatever reason, my mom and dad just are attached to you and just yeah. love you and, and your story. So I, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this too. So grateful to say that they they did so much for me. And, and it wasn't until I went in the NFL that I really realized, you know, what they were after. But, you know, that was just my lot in life. And 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 so let's move on to this a little bit. Um, let's kind of move into college because I knew you went to Nebraska and then I knew you went to Texas A&M. And so just kind of give us a walk through that, uh, Maggie, after you left Geneva, yeah. how did that all work out? What events were you in and how'd that go for you? It's a great question again. Um, and you're going to say, that's why I asked it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, no, I, so we don't have javelin obviously in the state of Nebraska. Uh, right. so in high school, I was a long jumper, triple jumper. I did the four by four, unfortunately, and the 200. So those did are you my do hurdles. Didn't you do hurdles too? I did. My sister was more of a hurdler than uh, I Audrey, yeah, yeah, Audrey, Audrey was definitely more of a hurdler. I, uh, I ate crap one time in a, in a competition <laughs> and I, said, I don't really want to do this again. Um, so anyway, all that to say, I was recruited as a heptathlete, which was what my mom was. Right. Uh, and coach Pepin, I think had, you know, here's a fun story. Coach Pepin, when I was born, he created a letter of intent for my mom, for me, <laughs> Which I think is so funny. And so I, my mom has that like in some of her files that like my letter of intent, like on the day that I was born, which That's I think, fantastic. but anyway, all comes full circle. Uh, I'm get recruited by coach Chris Grimes for the heptathlon. Yep. Uh, I think that they thought I was going to be as good as my mom. And I just, 
I'm built more like my dad than my mom. Um, my dad would always say I would be a linebacker um, where I think a great they, linebacker. You would be a great yeah. linebacker. And I think they were looking for more of like a wide receiver. Um, and so I, I was talented, but I was honestly like pretty average, but worked really hard. Um, so anytime, I mean, I did win state in long jump and triple jump and on our four by four and whatnot, but it was all because I just worked really hard and I, I didn't have a crazy amount of talent. And yeah, so, multi multi state champion. Yeah, just just as just run over that. That wasn't a big deal, by the way. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, that is Nancy Malone, Kendig Malone's work, though. She's she's so good. Um, but I uh, anyway, so went to college and was learning the heptathlon, uh, which is seven events, javelin being one of the seven. Now right. I went to Nebraska as uh, going into redshirt because you know I, I wasn't going to be the most talented. We already had two multis who were very talented. Um, and, and so I came in as like that third person was going to work really hard. My goal, Brett, going to college was that one time in my collegiate career, I would make it to the national meet. Like my goal was like, I could get to nationals and I could be an All-American one time. Like that was my goal. And so my freshman year, I'm redshirted all of the indoor season, most of the outdoor season. And one day my coach, Chris Grimes, comes out to me and just says, hey, you're picking up javelin pretty quickly. We don't have a women's javelin thrower. If you can throw past this cone on Friday, we'll take your red shirt away and you can throw a big tens next week. <laughs> wow. I did not know that. Wow. I was like, uh, okay. Um, and so I, I went out through past the cone, have no idea how far <laughs> it was. I just knew that I threw past it and he's like, great. You're in coach Pippen gave the green light. Like you're good. Went home, like got a uniform. I'd like put it on that night. I was so proud because obviously my mom was a Husker. My dad's a Husker. I had like had a fulfillment. I was like, I'm a Husker and went to big tens and ended up getting third at big tens, which whoa, 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 whoa. back it up for a second. You threw past the cone yeah. and then you <laughs> went to the big 10 meet and you got third. I got third. Yeah. Which was like the highest, I think, placement that a Husker had gotten in javelin, like women's javelin. That's and amazing. I had no idea. <laughs> so now we're in this. So now we're in this crazy scenario where it's like, OK, is she a javelin thrower or is she a multi-eventer? Because I could get a lot of points in the multi by just throwing the javelin and then kind of not coast, but I could be average in the other events. Well, did a multi at like Kansas relays and was like, not great. Had to run the 800. I was like, I'm out. This is not. <laughs> um, and then from that point, I had qualified for regionals. So also just know that I had no idea how the NCAA system worked. So I didn't know that there was like a national or a regionals to get to a nationals and you right. know all of those. I didn't know anything. And so after I got third at Big Tens, that qualified me for the regional meet, which means we're gonna bring there's two regions in the United States. All the colleges on the West region are here, on the East region are here. You're all fighting for a spot to make the national team. Right. So I don't know what place I got, but I made the national team. So I, again, going into college, my goal was to make nationals one time. Like I thought my fifth year, senior year was when I was going to do it. Um, and so went to nationals. I think I got 10th, um, which like to me, I was like, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm here. <laughs> Yeah. I'm in Eugene, Oregon, you know, I'm an all American. Uh, and then from that point, 
you know, things at, in our hometown were different. Um, my parents who had taught for 30 years or so, yeah. you know, all the ins and outs of being in a small town, dad asked to leave uh, as football coach and then as athletic director and my mom kind of the same thing just wasn't a great situation. And, and truly, you know, I'm a woman of faith. So I believe God was moving in our lives. And I really do think he was directing our next steps, which was to move to Texas which is where my dad is from. And so I get a call from my mom like the week after nationals. And she's like, Hey, uh, your mom and your dad and I just took jobs in college station, Texas. And I was like, okay, um, why? (laughs) It happened to be my dad. So my dad's best man in his wedding, his name is Robert Jezrin. We call him uncle Robert. He, uh, is a coach and he had worked with my dad for years in Texas. And so when all of this was happening with my mom and dad in Geneva, he called and just said, Hey, we have two openings, one track and field, one football. And, and here are the placements. Would you guys be interested? And so like, all right, we're in, they move. Okay. So get this three days later, I am sitting at a, um, at the Nebraska all-star basketball game. I'm sitting there. My mom is on the board of whatever she's on the NC NSAA board or whatever. So she's working it. I'm sitting at this basketball game. I get a call from my coach who recruited me, Chris Grimes, who taught me the javelin. He says, Hey Maggie, I wanted you to be the first person um, to know. I just took a job at Texas A&M, which is in college station, Texas. Okay. Wow. Three days later, I was like, what? Um, Okay. (laughs) insane like my family just moved there my coach just moved there and then he says i he goes maggie i'm a heptathlon coach i've taught you almost everything i know in javelin i want you to look up who the texas a&m javelin coach is and i was like okay so i look him up his name is juan de la garza everybody calls him chico he looks exactly like how he sound or you know he, yeah, yeah. That, he is a chico i look him up He's a two-time Olympian in the javelin. He's had the most uh, All-Americans, national champions in the javelin, both men and women, in the NCAA history. He's like the king of javelin. The javelin whisperer is what people call him. <laughs> and so, I, so Brett, listen, my family leaves. My coach leaves. I now have an opportunity to be working with one of the best javelin coaches in the world. And Texas A&M women just won a national championship the year before. So... All this to say, I go to Coach Pepin, which was really hard, and I just said, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to be in t- at Texas A&M. I don't know why, um, but I just feel like my whole world just moved there, and I've, I'm not going to go against what I think God is telling me. And right. so he said, that's, that's great. I'm really happy for your family, but Maggie, I want you to stay another year. So he didn't release me to transfer. So the, how it worked at the time was you had to be released by a yep. coach to leave. He was like, I don't want to release you this next year. But what I will say is if you stay and compete for us this year and you still want to leave after your sophomore year, I'll let you go. No questions asked. And I was like, all right. That's so fair. Go into the next season. I end up winning the Big Ten championships. I end up getting fourth at nationals. I like have a pretty solid foundation. I love Nebraska. I'm like, how can I leave? Like this is, everything is going so great. Like, how do you leave? I'm projected to win nationals the next year because I just got fourth. The three girls ahead of me had all graduated. Right. And so I sat there and I just was like, 
I still feel like I'm supposed to go, which is really hard. And after that, I, I took a visit to A&M, saw my family. I was just mesmerized. I was like, this is where I need to be. Uh, so I ended up transferring for my junior year, had a terrible junior year, just absolutely crapped the bed. Like it was terrible. Yeah. Um, and big changes, Maggie. I mean, you had big changes, right? I mean, come on, what do you expect? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was, a huge change. Um, but what was great about it was my sister, Audrey, which I think you, you also know. I know very well. Yeah. She was a freshman the year that I transferred. So right. we both got to throw javelin at the same time at Texas A&M, which was incredible to be with my sister on the track team was insane. And Maggie, she had a very good career in the javelin as well, didn't she? Great career. I think she got third at nationals. She threw 57 meters. Like she's, she was phenomenal too. She probably was better than I was, but I just, she'll, she'll agree to this. I just worked harder than she did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Audrey. We didn't mean that. Sorry, We're not talking about the best. You, but she, I will say that she's way more talented as an athlete. I just think I just worked really hard. Um, but she, yeah, so she's not throwing anymore. But anyway, so I go there after freshman or that junior year. Um, that whole summer, I'm like, well, I am not going to feel like this again. I got like ninth at nationals. I got in fourth the year before. I was embarrassed, so embarrassed. And I was like, I'm never going to feel like this again. Good motivation. Um, yeah, that's right. Good motivation, Maggie. That's right. And I worked my butt off. Like I started training July 1st, 2020. No, sorry. July 1st, 2015. I did not take a day off until I made the Olympic team August of 2016. Like I literally worked out every single day, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, every single day. And uh, I lost 20 pounds. I was like, got in the best shape of my life and ended up making the Olympic team that year. So it paid off. And that was, you know, they always say your biggest setbacks are your biggest motivators to, to get better and, and set you up for the biggest success. That's exactly what happened. Well, Maggie, I mean, a couple of things that come to mind. I mean, obviously God is the author of, of our story, right? And so oh, um, I just get chills when I hear, hear you talk about that. And thanks for sharing your faith. I think it's super, super important. Yeah. And I think the other part of this too, is for some of our younger listeners, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they're downloading our, our, our podcast is that, you know, this requires a lot of work. It doesn't happen by osmosis and you're building upon things. I mean, I'm sure one of the things that was going on uh, for you is also the technique side, right? So here you are with the javelin whisperer, right? Talk, talk to me a little bit about the, about the technique that you're being taught by the javelin whisperer. And then we're going to go to just a quick break here and we'll come back to the last segment. Yeah. So uh, Chico broke down a ton of bad habits that I had created while at Nebraska. Not that they were teaching me the wrong things, but he has such a um, specific mindset for javelin. He did it for so long as an athlete himself. He knows the feelings, which is rare for coaches. Like if you personally know what it feels like, you can coach it, I think, at a higher level than most. So I went to Chico and he broke me down in every possible way, um, which was extremely hard. Uh, but he gave me the motivation and the biggest pep talk I've ever had that year that I failed. And he said, Maggie, I know that this hurts right now, but I promise you, you are going to throw over 60 meters next year. And I guarantee you that you will not feel like this. And he stuck with me and he believed that. And I was like, you're out of your mind. There's no way. <laughs> through like 40 some meters. I, that's a 20 meter gain. And he right. was like, I don't care. I, I see it. And, and I know that you're going to do it. Well, and he was a two-time Olympian too. Did he yeah. have, did he mention you anything about thinking that you'd be a contender to make the Olympic team? Not to me. 
<laughs> he probably did to somebody else, not to me. He knew it would have freaked me out. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, Maggie, we're going to take a quick uh, little po- break here. Uh, this is the podcast produced by On the Behalf of Nebraska Greats Foundation. Uh, we provide support to vo- qualified former letter-winning collegiate athletes who have medical needs and a financial challenge. Learn more at Nebraska or anygreats.org. Again, we're back here with Maggie. We're having a fantastic conversation. We've kind of gone over the prep background in Geneva and some of the pedigree with her, her parents, Danny Malone and Nancy Kingdom Malone, Kindig Malone. And uh, we've kind of moved into the college section. Now I want to kind of turn this towards the last part of our interview. And Maggie, this interview has just been spectacular for me. I am, I'm smiling on the inside here. And so, so we've just let off with you talking about this recommitment after having a really difficult year. So walk us through, get us a little closer to the, to now you, you, you're becoming an Olympian. Because and just a little background here, like, you know, as guys who always say, hey, I was an All-American or, hey, I went into the NFL. We all think we're big and tough. Or your dad's like, I won a national championship with the Huskers. It's like, then you walk in and I'm like, hey, fellas, that sounds great and everything, but I'm a U.S. Olympian. And you're it's such a higher level that we just all have to get on our knees and bow to you, Maggie. And that's what, if I could get on my knees right now, I would bow to you that you are an Olympian. So walk us through. Just give us a walkthrough of that, this Olympic experience. It's just got to be so amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'll just say up front, I did not anticipate making an Olympic team that wasn't on even on my radar. Like I, I just didn't even think about that. Going into that next season after the, the big failure season, um, my goal that whole year, this is what you'll learn about me, Brett, is that I set my bar real low. Um, oh, please. My, no, my, you're modest. That's good. Yeah my goal going into that season was to not get ninth place at nationals. Like my goal was like, if you get eighth or above, you're doing great. And I went into that first meet through 60 meters, which was again, what Chico had told me the year before. And I was sobbing at the end of it. I was like, what in the world, which then propelled me into, Hey, you could probably win nationals, which you could also make this Olympic team because the stars are aligning because it's an Olympic year. Right. So just the, I guess if you were talking prep for that, you know, I did a lot of mental work, which I still do. Um, and, and obviously put in so much physical work was, was breaking down my body physically, but I do think the mental aspect is what got me through that season. And also, you know, going back to the, the faith piece, like I just was like, God, like whatever you want for me, I will continue on this path. Just tell me what you want. Um, and so continue just to compete and, um, had a great season and just absolutely surprised me in so many ways. Uh, I So the way that track and field works is that in order to make the Olympic team, you have to hit the A standard, which means if you throw this distance, if you run this time, then you are accepted into the Olympics. So I had not thrown that um, until the NCAA championships. Uh, so at the NCAA championships, I threw the 62 meter, 62 meters, which was the standard, the A standard. And Maggie, that's like 204 feet, right? I mean, give, give yeah, some of our listeners like an idea of what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta switch back and forth. Um, right. But yeah, it's like 204 feet, um, which then solidified that I would make this Olympic team. That's um, amazing. And I, yeah. And I was like, holy cow. So then even backstory to that, Brett, I had gotten hurt the Monday that we we got to Eugene, Oregon. I had a back spasm when we were doing a stupid lift and I was literally bedridden from Monday to Thursday morning and couldn't do anything and had to compete Thursday afternoon. And so 
again, grace of God, like God was so with me. I had so many people praying for me from Geneva. I, my mom had like a whole like prayer chain going around. Um, and so thankful for everybody that did that and ended up throwing the Olympic standard that, that meet, which then led into, okay, we have the Olympic trials. If you get in the top three, you're good to go. And, um, went into that meet and, ended up winning, which I was shocked because I was the new, I am the new kid on the block. And, you know, Kara Winger, who I admire so much, she's the American record holder. She's been in the sport forever. She's a three-time Olympian. I was competing with her whose videos I had watched since I was 19, starting the javelin, um, ended up, you know, I think she got second that, you know, in, at the trials. Um, but I just, it was incredible. I, I never would have ever, had that in my mindset to that I would ever be an Olympian. Like that just wasn't even a consideration. <laughs> well, and it couldn't have happened to a better person, right? I mean, I, I think I've known you in your entire life. And I think so many of us are so proud of you. Don't we have Maggie Malone Day now in Geneva, Nebraska? We do, but it's just, <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Maggie Malone Day. It's so spectacular. And uh, I, we're just so proud of you. And so walk us through the opening ceremonies uh, in Rio, uh, I mean, I, what I'm trying to provide with, for our listeners of this podcast, and, and I hope we have some younger folks listening to this because it's really important for us to look up, right? Yeah. And wh what are some things, what are some questions I should be asking about the whole Olympic process, the opening ceremony? I mean, you're on the world stage. We're not, not in Nebraska or Texas or the United States. It's the entire world, Maggie. Yeah. No, it's uh I mean, think about the entire world in like a two mile radius. Like it's like everything, everybody is right there. Every athlete you've ever looked up to is right there. Um, I can look back now. So I'm 27 now. I made the team when I was like 21 or 22. Uh, and I can look back at 22 year old Maggie and say, you were not ready. <laughs> like, <laughs> You just weren't. And uh, I don't think I could have prepared for what was going to happen. I'd never competed internationally. Um, I was by myself. I didn't have my coach. Chico didn't go with me. So it was just like a whole new experience. It was, you know, I was like bright eyed, every, everything I was taking in everything. Um, you know, when one of the best things about the Olympics is that you get to talk with athletes and learn from athletes that, you've admired your whole life. So one of my like fondest memories is sitting in the dining room with a bunch of throwers, um, one being Ryan Krauser, who's the Olympic yeah. champion in the shot put yep. and just sitting and listening and like everybody's talking about their training and their, their mindset. Like it's just, and just even their personal lives. It's like, what do you do for fun? Like we're all getting to know each other. And it's like, those are the memories that I will always hold on to. And then you have somebody coming from Germany and then somebody comes from Sweden and then somebody comes from China. Like, you know, it's like this whole group of, of athletes and we all share a common thread. Uh, and it's cool because a lot of times you do feel as an athlete that you're sometimes on an island where you're like, man, I want somebody to relate to a little bit more. And so such an incredible opportunity to be with people who get what you're going through every single day um, and understand the grind that it takes to get there. And then to also get to celebrate each other um, in that I got to watch, I got to see the gymnasts. I got to watch Michael Phelps last race, like in person, I got to just like 
see athletes utilize and, and glorify God with the gifts that they were given. And I took that and I was like, I'm going to do the same thing when I compete. And I did not compete well, I will say that. And, but you know what? I was there and I think I just, I didn't know how to prepare. You just, there's so much going on. There's so much stimulation. Yeah, It's a whole nother level. It is. I, it's the whole level that you didn't even know existed. existed. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I am actually very familiar with that. So, yeah. so walk us through your current training and you're in Alabama. And I'm just so grateful that Wednesday was your day off because I know, I know. that you have to keep your regimen. I kind of feel like it's one of those, for me, it's a faith thing too, right? It's like, this is lining up perfectly. And this is just a spectacular uh, uh, interview. So walk us through some of your training. I know Gatorade's sponsoring you now. I think Gator, uh, Nike's sponsoring you. You're, I don't know. I should ask for an autograph uniform or something. No. Like, you pay for like $20,000. But nonetheless, walk us through that. And you're getting ready for Tokyo in 2021, correct? Or for this year, right? I will say Nike's not sponsoring me anymore. So if anybody else is out there as a sponsor, I'm all for it. <laughs> no, no, Nike. That's it. I have a friend at Nike. I'm going to call them. I'm going to change that for you. <laughs> <laughs> then we're going to go to somebody else. I know Maggie, I'm on it for you free of charge. Okay. Um, perfect. No. Uh, so breaking it down. All right. So I have moved to Alabama, moved here in 2019. I started a uh, training group here again, you know, God moving, moving things, um, called the USA javelin project. Uh, so I came out here because I found a coach that I really wanted to work with, um, between 2016 and 2019, I was going through, you know, I, I wanted to quit the sport, to be quite honest. It was really hard um, to, to train by yourself. Uh, you feel lost. You don't have a team. You don't have facilities. You don't have anything that you normally had. Um, I was also injured. I hurt my back. I hurt my foot. Like, I was just like, this sucks. Um, and so I got my master's while I was doing that. And I was training, but not really competing as much. Went through some mental health stuff, um, ton of therapy, which has helped a ton. And so then in 2019, I was like, I need to leave College Station. I feel like it's time uh, to leave Chico. And I see this coach that I've always admired. I really want to work with him. And so I contacted him at a track meet and I just said, hey, would you train me? Um, you know, I have I haven't competed in a while. And I, I really I think you're the coach that I need right now. Right. And he said, yeah, I would love to. And I said, that's great. Now, how about like six other people? Because I had this idea to create a training group. And this happened all across the country. You got sprinting groups, you got um, jumps groups. And I was like, there's nothing for javelin. There's no throwers groups. And so I contacted people that I really wanted to train with. Um, I talked to my boyfriend, who's also, he was a thrower at AM also. He throws javelin and we just started strategizing. And I was like, here are people that I would like to throw with. Who would, who would you want to? And so we reached out to them and everybody moved to Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, we started training at Hoover High School. I don't know if you're familiar with Hoover, but they're like, they were on MTV a while ago. I guess they had a show with football. I don't know, but it's a huge high school. Um, and they've been un unbelievably kind to us to let us train there. Uh, and so we have been here since 2019, went through COVID, uh, couldn't compete obviously in 2020. Uh, but what my training looks like now is I train in the mornings um, from 6.30 to about 8.30. 
Um, I go to work from nine to about four. I work at a company called Wild Spark. It's a leadership development company. I love it. Uh, and then I train again from about 4.30 to 7.30 or eight. Okay. Um, so split up that training. I got a strength coach out in um, Arizona named Malcolm William. He is phenomenal. He has been just, he's, he's, I have no words for him. He has transformed my body. Um, and then Tom with the technique side, my coach, the, the coach I came for, he is also a, a two-time Olympian. I believe he was a former American record holder. Uh, so he gets the, the feeling piece, phenomenal technique coach. And so that combination has been awesome. Working with the group has been awesome. And I've been in two meets now. Uh, so finally gotten to compete. The first meet I threw 61 meters. I don't know how far that is in feet, but it's the best opener I've had. And then I went to Texas Relays uh, two weeks ago and I threw my personal best, 6238. So that's over 204 feet, right? What is that? 200, I can't remember, 206? Yeah. yeah, somewhere around there. Um, but uh, surpassed what I threw in, in 2016 when I made the team. And so now uh, if people want to be praying, I, I want to hit, they, they raised the standard. So if you remember me talking about the Olympic standard, they raised it to 64 meters. So I have, I need 1.7 meters to, to lock it in. <laughs> All right. We are going to get the prayer chain going. I, I, I have a feeling you're going to get that quite easily, Maggie. Yeah. Um, so. so, you know, what's also interesting, I think for our listeners too, Maggie, as I hear you talk about this is there is a big psychological component to all of this. I mean, what's between your ears Maybe the most important thing you have, because it's not just about, um, you know, your own progress. It's not just how you deal with, hey, I had this goal and then I didn't make it. And then how you deal with that and trying to let that stuff go or, you know, um, whatever it may be. It's super, super, super important. Um, and I had experience with that, obviously, in football as I left college. But um, I really love that you kind of give us some insight into that, because super, super important to keep this tuned up right, right? Do you have any nope. to add to that, Maddie? Uh, Maggie? <laughs> yeah, I uh, no, I think it is the most important piece of, of all of this because it's, I think it's easy to put your body through a lot of physical, just, you know, training. I think it's easy to do that, but the mental piece I think is much, much more difficult. And so I work with a mental coach. Um, he's in Texas. We zoom every week. Uh, we do a ton of meditation. We do a lot of visualization stuff uh, and a ton of breathing just to stay focused and um, learn to live in uncomfortable situations, which is going to naturally happen when you're going into a competition. Uh, whereas before I would be like, it would consume me with the anxiety. Uh, I've learned a lot uh, on how to just work through that and be okay with those feelings and actually utilize that. Um, what he told me last week, he was like, did you know that anxiousness is like the same feeling as excitement? It's just the thought that is in your head that triggers it. So he's like, it literally pro produces the same thing. So like, if you're excited, like you, you know, you can like amp yourself up and go. Whereas like anxiousness is actually producing the same chemical that you could utilize to launch the javelin. And so just the mindset and all of it has been huge. And uh, I think I'm so thankful for him again. It, I have a great team around me. I got my mental piece. I got a nutritionist in Hawaii. I got somebody in, uh, you know, my strength coach and my technique coach. And that group 
is I call them the Avengers because they truly are like my Avenger superhero team to keep me going. Oh, I absolutely love it. And back to your, your, your uh, mental coach, it's like the whole release of dopamine, right? So it's a stress response by the body. Right. So it, you know, I I remember old coach Danny Malone always talking about, you know, how we'd go watch a movie in the library and that would relax us. And then we'd visualize. And as we circle up and kind of end this, this interview, Maggie, it's just, we're just so proud of you. I love the insights of everything. We're so excited for you for Tokyo 2021 um, this year. Um, you know, some of the things I took away from this, and I hope our listeners have, you know, doing the process over the results, right? What's the process? You can always break things down to its simple parts to understand it. The multi-sport thing, obviously take care of each other, baby. When you're talking, you take care of everybody else, right? It just goes better, right? Yes. Yes. And that, that's what we're doing in Nebraska Greats, uh, having the faith aspect of this. We're all going to face adversity, uh, whether we're being away from home for the first time internationally in the, in the Olympics in Rio or you're in Geneva, Nebraska. And, you know, Coach Danny Malone's making you run a, a 1,200 and you're a, you're a 300-pound, six-foot <laughs> football athlete. You're like, well, I guess I have to do this. So You're like, um, this is new. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk to you for hours, but I guess this last, just little snippet. Yeah. Any of our listeners, like, what, what, what is your path? Your, your kind of your last final thoughts about, about your experience, um, um, and and what you're looking forward to here in Tokyo. Yeah. Um. Man, this experience, I, I would say that. I just have to say, like, God is so good. Like, I truly just have to end with that because I didn't think that I was going to come back to the sport. Um, I didn't feel like I belonged in this sport. I didn't feel like I um, had it to continue. And uh, just time and time again, God has been so faithful and the people he's put in my life, I'm so thankful for to keep me going. And um, and then also to come back to the sport and have the best season that I've ever had. And, and hopefully we just continue on to that. Just got to stay healthy and focused. But I uh, am really blessed and, and just unbelievably thankful. And I would also say too, if anybody has questions about javelin or anything, they can DM me on just, it's at Maggie, the Aggie, um, which is super easy to remember. So just DM me and I'm so willing to just listen and and give advice. If anybody has even sport advice too, it doesn't have to be track and field. Um, but like you said earlier, you know, we take care of each other. And, and if that's some area that I can help somebody, I, I for sure will. Uh, and just looking forward to a good season and like, I don't know, we'll see what God has in store. I just, I don't know what to expect. I'm just, I'm along for the ride. <laughs> You're along for the ride. It's a beautiful ride. And 1.7 meters for all of you listening, we're going to be praying about that. And you're, you're going to get it, Maggie. We have all the belief. I think as you get older, all these things come together. And um, as you have that feeling of nervousness or anxiety, that, that just means it, it means something, right? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. It just means something to you. And um, we're very excited. So uh, you could follow uh, Maggie Malone on all the social media sites, uh, hashtag Javelin, hashtag Tokyo 2021. Um, we would love it if any of you are listening to this and you feel like, hey, I want to make a donation or, hey, maybe I want to share and like our posts on our social media platforms. We would really appreciate that today because that helps get the word out. Maggie has such a wonderful story, and I just feel like we could go on for hours. And so this this Maggie, thank you very much. Yeah, we'll have to come back. We'll, we'll come back after uh, after August. There you go. We'll come back. And I, you know, maybe I'll get to see you. I know that I'm trying to get your dad out to play some golf here in Nebraska this summer. So you maybe better look get... out because that's all he does nowadays. So <laughs> now he better bring his A game because I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I won't be easy on him. So um, 
Well, and I shouldn't be easy on them, but we'll have some fun with it. But um, this podcast today is produced by the Nebraska Greats Foundation. Uh, if you uh, are or know of a former collegiate athlete from any of the four, uh, 16 four-year colleges or universities in Nebraska who have a medical need and a financial challenge, you can refer them to me on my social platform at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can go to anygreats.org and we have an application process. We've helped so many people and that need can be in the form of a bed. It could be in the form of you need a trip to Mayo. Whatever it is, that money goes directly to helping those people and I'm really proud to be a part of it. So Maggie, thanks again for your time. You guys, this is a great podcast. Good luck in Tokyo. This has been Nebraska Greats, a weekly podcast serving the Nebraska Greats Foundation. You can find each episode on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please give generously to serve Nebraska's former sports heroes in need at anygreats.org. And be sure to follow the Any Greats on Facebook and Twitter.